Today's episode is brought to you by, well, you. That's right, you have helped me to bring 101 episodes now of Coming Up Next podcast all the way to your ear holes. And uh, if you're interested in hearing the uh, previous 100 episodes, you can do so at comingupnext.com.au. Now, how? Have you and can you continue to help? Well, whether you're streaming this, whether you have downloaded it, you can help. You can be active in the life of Coming Up Next podcast by doing two simple things. Numero the first, open up your iTunes, your Stitcher or your Podbean applications and subscribe to the show. That way the show is just going to download for you automatically every week. You don't even have to think about it. In fact, you should hit pause and do that right now. That was me enforcing a pause. The second thing that you can do, number B, is leave a rating and a review for the podcast. I know it seems silly. I know it seems a little bit daft. But these sort of things really do help keep the show rolling. And they allow me to keep bringing you awesome guests like episode number 101. That's the first episode of the new century of Coming Up Next Podcasts with Sandra Skaberis. Today's episode brought to you by BossPods.com. Want a podcast like a boss? We've got the inside word on how to set up a podcast that's actually worth something. We've got the industry's best to show you how. BossPods.com. Podcast like a boss. What's the film that you're looking at getting up overseas? It was a film, um, or is a film, called Girl Without a Planet. And I'm the director of it and it's you know it's one of those films where you go you know you get a lot of calls from around the place and you you attach yourself on as a director with some projects and you kind of do a wait and see on it and I don't get attached on too many like this one which is just a crazy crazy kind of musical um rock musical (laughs) film with I don't even know how to express it. It's just, it's really kind of crazy. And I, I mean, I was attracted to it because it's not something that I could write. So, you know, I mean, totally could not write this script. But, you know, I mean, I hope it goes up. You know, London's a great city and I'd love to shoot there. Um, but if it doesn't, then, you know, um, we'll shoot something here. Mm, it's quite yeah. a departure from films that you've made previously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, I always kind of say, I mean, the last, two films well the last film that I've just made still in post and the one that I'm going to make here in Australia later on this year um is uh you know kind of sci-fi horror and the last one was kind of psychological horror and but I'll you know they're independently financed and when they're independently financed they you know not interested in my in my gorgeous dramas they're they're interested in like you know yeah i'm interested in my other work Mm. you know which is great too yeah it's fantastic is that something that you that you always thought you would is that part of the the evolution i guess that you kind of saw when you first started making films no i always always believed since i was a little girl that i would be directing star wars 900 that i would direct Wonder Woman, that I would direct the biggest, most expensive war epics ever. And of course, that wasn't going to happen. So it'll happen now because the industry is a lot more 
open to women directing films outside of you know nice little genre, um, genre nice little dramas but it's not what got funded what got funded was always my kind my just my dramas you know mm. so I knew I worked out pretty quickly after film school I mean the script that I'm about to shoot I wrote 20 years ago straight out of film school yeah wow and my other films yeah my other kind of big um just not, not even big in budget just I suppose strange concept films, you know, like high strange concept films. They were they were written, you know, early in my career, um, but I just you couldn't even get a development grant on them, you know. So once I worked out, it's it's drama. Um, I kind of I focused on that, I suppose, from my first three films. Sandra Skaberis is the writer-director behind the great Australian films Caterpillar Wish and Surviving Georgia. Only months after graduating from the VCA, Sandra received her first new writer's grant from the Australian Film Commission for a feature film. This led to her debut feature, Deeper Than Blue, which premiered at the 50th Sydney International Film Festival. And this was just the beginning. With several feature films in the pipeline, both at home and abroad, Sandra also now lectures at the VCA, teaches actors at 16th Street Actors Studio, and has taken on a mentoring role to aspiring filmmakers in both Malta and East Timor. And today, she starts a new century of coming up next rambles. How have you seen or noticed shift in the Australian film industry since you were sort of putting together those first applications and writing those first films to now? Yeah, it's really interesting too because, of course, I'm an academic as well. Like, I lecture at the film school. So, I mean, I've been there for, you know, um, nine years. So I've got to see, you know, what, what, what has changed and what hasn't changed. I mean, I feel I feel like not much has actually changed, other than we've got internet, we've got different forms of media, we've got you know web, we've got so much more or different types of storytelling uh, techniques and and um, and styles that um, you know people are kind of learning as they go. I mean, the gaming world. You know, that's, they're, they're the big, big changes that I think we've seen in the entertainment industry globally. I mean, I would never have thought of some of that stuff, you know, when I was a film student. And, I mean, the moment, you know, I hooked onto the world of, like, the moment, you know, gaming kind of came in and we all sat around playing Doom, <laughs> we, you know, I, that's when I went, okay, that's just, that's a, that's a killer. That's yeah. going to be in, an, an incredible, you know, world. And I suppose... Uh maybe in more specific terms you know you you alluded to the fact that now a woman would be able to direct a big studio picture and if you were going to make star wars or wonder woman london would be the right place to go for that as well (laughs) london london's just london london's just ace yeah you know it really is i mean you know new york's great la's great i mean they're all like those major cities are major cities for a reason you know sydney's great and we're in, we're in Melbourne, like we're totally in one of the best cities in the world. So I think that, yeah, I mean, I just think London is a really interesting um, city. Well, I suppose you know? my kind of lead on to that was, you know, particularly I think in the last couple of years with a lot of Screen Australia's initiatives like Gender Matters, 
that you know there is a kind of shift happening i i can't and i'm going to give you a great example right now yeah. the film that i got put onto was when the producer was telling me that when he got a list of um and i knew this i always knew about the secret list that you know i call it a secret list actually not it's a bit of a joke <laughs> very public but uh, it's a very public but um and i'd heard it over the years many times by um some pretty good men, nice men, really good, decent men and a lot of good producers. And they would often say, you know, Sandra, your name just doesn't come up on a list. And then I used to just as a joke, just say, oh, yeah, mate, how many women really are on the list anyway? And then, of course, they'd look at me sideways and go, well, actually, none. I'd go, okay, well, then there's your, you know, and leave the room. I mean, I was saying that literally, you know, 15 years ago or 10 years ago after I made the Caterpillar Wish in particular. Mm. I mean, you just knew that your name didn't get on the list. There's, they, they would have looked at me, they would have looked at my work, they would have interviewed me had I just got on the list. And then, so I think what happens is, that what, what ha- happens with just great, putting in you know, a highlighting certain, um, certain things in the media and you know, gender matters was always a funny one for me. I always felt funny about that title. It was kind of like a, you know, I don't know. I, I never really knew who it was preaching at. That kind of, as a, as a word, you know, when I first heard it, I was going, well, you know, I know I matter. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> but I got it, you know, and I got, and I understand why, um, why they titled it that way. And I do think it had impact. So, you know, when I got this phone call about seven, about a year ago, actually, for this other project, and I'd also gotten a phone call about another project, I had to say to them, how, how did you, how do you know me? How do you know my work? I mean, I haven't made a film since Surviving Georgia, you know, kind of 2011. Um, you know, I've made a film independently since then, but they wouldn't know about it. So I, so I was curious and I said, how do you, how did I get shortlisted? And they said they were um, told to make sure there, were, there was at least 40% women's names on a list. That they had to look at kind of 40 like you know, forty percent of the of the list of so they had to look at, you know, um, had to had four four names and, you know, I think they literally just looked at screen credits from Australia and they wanted an Australian director and you know I've, I I come up and I come up with you know two or three features, even though they'd never heard of them it didn't matter. Yeah. Wow. So I just got on a list. I mean the rest was hard work and the rest is everything else. So I think. Just that alone, it, it's an obvious impact, and whoever it was that told them to do it, um, you know, I don't know, did the right thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And 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 and, and you know, it was no, it was no big deal. It's not like they went, oh no, we can't have that. It was like, yeah, yeah, of course. Didn't even think about it. Yeah, okay. So it's so I think it's fantastic. And in other words, and um, and I think we just have to, you know keep treating it like it's standard and normal and let's not make a big issue out of it and just think about it all the time just think about it and now we do i think we do we've got a long way to go you know because it's still only a couple of women shooting big films not that many in the scheme of things but you know so did you i'm not actually sure did you grow up in melbourne yeah i grew up in the commissioned flats in South Yarra first when my parents first um, kind of migrated out here from Malta and so I had um, which is where all my I convinced all my storytelling you know um, world came from was just good old-fashioned commissioned flats for until I was uh, you know teenager 
And so it was a good formative kind of 10, 11 years growing up there. And they, I mean, they were great. You know, they, uh, you know, I thought they were fantastic, but I was a kid. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know anymore, but I really did love, um, I really liked living there and I loved being up high on the 14th floor and you just get to look at the world and it's a hell of a view from those yeah, yeah. <laughs> extremely working class commission flats. You're on top of the world when you're up there. So they were really were the foundation of me wanting to be a storyteller, I'm convinced. And then we moved to um, uh, Western Suburbs, West Sunshine where I was there till I, you know, left at 21 and became groovy and... <laughs> and hip. <laughs> and hip and went to drama school, <laughs> you know. What, uh, were, were your parents uh, supportive of your creative endeavour? No. No way. I don't think... I, I don't... I mean, we laugh about it all the time now. I mean, but no, they didn't understand it. I mean, my dad was a chef. Mum was a dressmaker. And they, uh, you know, they danced all the time. So they, so we grew up in a fairly, I mean, I thought we grew up in a pretty creative world. I mean, Dad loved watching movies. I got hooked on, you know, the classics um, through watching films with him. And, and then I, you know, would do anything to watch, watch TV. Um, but no, I, I remember lying to them and saying I was going for a job in Preston the day I went for an, aud- an audition to get into a little drama school. Right. What <laughs> and, job uh, were you going for in Preston? I can't even remember what I said. It was so <laughs> out of my league. It was just something really stupid because, you know, I wanted to, I practically dropped out of high school and so I, I had to go back, I had to do something. So I discovered like, you know, uh, the drama HSC equivalent, like year 12 equivalent drama course. And it sounded good. And, um, and anyway, so I, I lied to them and I got in. And they didn't really understand what I was doing, I think, because I'd started in, um, I started in acting and, um, and then moved from that into writing. And that just doesn't make much sense to, I think, you know, migrants who were working nonstop. You know, they just wanted me to go to university and, and do... Have some security. Know, have some security, yeah, yeah. you know. Were you acting through high school? Was that something that you discovered then? No, no. I don't know when I discovered. Um, no, I, I, it wasn't. I mean, it was really interesting when you, considering I'm a filmmaker now, I mean, I can trace it back. I trace it back to watching, you know, um, just great Hollywood films. I trace it back to East of Eden and Rebel Without a Cause and just, the early works of kind of drama in, in American cinema. I never, I mean, I didn't see Japanese film till I was like well and truly an adult at film school. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't go beyond that. I watched some Indian cinema. I watched a bit of European cinema, but really I was a very, very American focus. And I, I remember watching, you know, West Side Story and just going, okay. I, I, it's like I, I didn't even see the dancing. I saw the drama and I saw the shots and I saw the, the acting and I you know I saw the the landscape and the direction and so I knew I had to do something in in cinema like I knew I wanted to do that I knew in 1977 when I saw Star Wars you know and and Superman I knew I wanted to be involved in the world of film but I didn't know what that meant I mean I don't think you know you I had no idea what that actually meant like who, who how do you get a job in it I didn't even know there was a job so but I did know you could try for acting so I knew that was 
had something to do with it. So I kind of wanted to be an actor as far back as I can remember, as far back as watching films. But I soon, you know, it was only took two years of kind of going to drama school to know it's, it's, it's the behind the scenes. Yeah. You know. Do you remember the first time that you did write or perform something maybe as a kid, like with that first experience? Not as a child because I still was very closeted. We just didn't, it wasn't part of our culture. We just didn't do it. It wasn't encouraged. It wasn't, um, you know, it's Western Suburbs, Melbourne. It, was, it just wasn't encouraged. Going to church as a good Catholic was and <laughs> if we were lucky we got to play squash and wag church, did that. And you know, no, it didn't. The only, the only drama I did was, um, you know, I was a wayward kid at high school. It's not like I attended every day. Um, was you know, a drama teacher, you know, came up to me at year ten and said, you know, you have to, or somebody said to me, you have to do work experience. Um, you know, I don't know, I had to go work in the real world for a few days, and I just refused to do it. I said, I don't want to do anything. And I was really stubborn about it. And then finally, you know, somebody said, well, I heard you like drama or you like movies. And and I said, yes. And they said, well, we can get you, how about a theatre company? And I said, what's that? Because I hadn't even seen theatre. I didn't even, I didn't really know what theatre was. Mm. That's year 10. It's crazy, crazy stuff. But it was, really was like that. And uh, you'd think I'm talking 80, I'm 80 year old, but I'm not. It's literally <laughs> just a few, not that long ago in the in the outer suburbs of, um, you know, it's not even outer suburb anymore. But that's what it was. So anyway, no. From there, I uh, I got a um, I got a, a work attachment at I think it was the play box, and all I did was paint the set black, and it was the best. And that's all I did, and I just watched the actress um, on stage in a one-woman show, and I just painted the set black, and that's what I did. And I hung out with the director, and I kind of went, yeah, okay, so this is what theatre is. And I understood it. And I not only understood it for a kind of, you know, 16-year-old, I, I got it. Like, I really got it. And I went, I can do this. That's how kind of cocky I was too, because it, it was a great play. And um, but I felt I went no I can write that I I I know I know how to do that, and so that's what kind of put me I think, um, start to really think about being a writer then as well writer actor. You know. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So what was the kind of pathway for you from there into writing? You know, you said you went to drama school mm. and realized fairly shortly after that, in fact, it was behind the scenes. But what so I suppose then what was the pathway to coming to that realisation and then going to film school? The I think I did a great I did a great course. I can't express how good this course was back then. It was a it's like a it was a two year performing arts course and um, after I did the kind of one year equivalent to year twelve course where I at least had one subject in drama. And the rest were kind of English and English lit subjects. But I did this two-year course and it was a performing arts course. So you kind of got to touch on a, a few different units. And it was just great. Like I, I learned juggling, which I still can't get over. I still know juggling. I, I, you know, I met my husband you know, juggling away at night at his pad. Um, I di we did, and then we did, it had like a, a documentary stream in it. So I, I got my hands on a camera. 
and I worked. We worked in small groups, and we made a um, we made a short film, and so that was probably my absolute first introduction to filmmaking at that two, during that two year period. And I also got an opportunity, and it's probably just you know the smart teachers at the time. Um, they encouraged me to write some small plays, and so I wrote a couple of small plays, um, or some small elements of plays, I think it was, and we performed them. And, you know, I was just really encouraged. I said, you've got a knack for drama, you know, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, I do, I do. You know, I've, I've watched enough movies, I'm probably just mimicking you yeah. know, the <laughs> thousands of films I've seen, you know, embedded in my brain. But I did um, honestly feel like... Um, I really didn't, it came natural, it wasn't hard work, you know, I just sat there and I just wrote, and I can, I mean, I can write a lot, and it's not, it's not always good at all, but either way, it's not hard. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think particularly with writing, not that you have to always be compelled, but, you know, if, if you don't enjoy it, and you continue to do it, without the, a level of enjoyment, I think it kind of, I don't know, maybe it says something about where you should be putting your energy or what you should yeah. be doing. Because I think, I think writing, because writing is really the foundational art form of any, of that sort of creative world. Yeah. I think you really do need to love it. And it, it's not that it'll always be easy, but I think it needs the, the, the need to do it or the compulsion to do it. Should, it's got to be there. Yeah, it should be there. Yeah, I mean, you know, as a, you know, as an academic as well, and then mentor and a teacher of film and you know screenwriting at the at the VCA. Like, you know, I spend half my time talking to my you know writer directors, and just really, you know, the ones that struggle will struggle. And I'll always say, just you know, do the best that you can this year. Never do it again. Mm. But you, you're just not going to get away with leaving this film school unless you really understand story, as a director. And I think as a director, you should just write some of your own short films just to get an understanding of what it is that you meant to say <laughs> and then you shoot it and it doesn't quite work and then you get to the editing room and then you've got to fix it you know and um there's you know even that even if that's just a couple of three minute films you know just a couple you know before you start working with a real writer where it's not painful you know, because for some directors, writing is literally painful. But yeah. but their ideas are incredible, and sometimes that's what I find. I find some directors' ideas are are, are really strong, and I, that's when I, I go, okay, you need to work with a writer. I think yeah. the hardest thing, or for me, the pain, the most painful thing of any endeavor has really just been starting. Once you start, it kind of flows, and there's always those blocks and those moments, especially with so many things on offer to distract you uh you know that 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 can distract you but yeah it's always it's for me it's always that kind of starting point and if there's i think one of the biggest things i've learned in the last maybe three or four years uh, i mean i finished film school 10 years ago mm. now and definitely in the last few years i've learned the value of being a director or a creative who does manifest his own work or create mm. their own work i think it's a really important uh tool mm. and i think especially for younger filmmakers it, it you stand a far better chance of succeeding i think if you bring your own work to the table as well as the ability to yeah uh, collaborate with other writers yeah i mean um 
I've never taught, I mean, it's funny because I've never taught any other way. I was taught, and I suppose a lot of this also got to do with where you go to film school, but, you know, I went to the Victorian College of the Arts where, as a director, we wrote our own scripts and we edited our own films. So we really got to be very, very holistic with the with the work. And out of that comes, you know, great failure. <laughs> out of that comes get up and do it again. And... So again, you know, for me, at a at, at like a film school level, early, early career directors, just go, you just, if you have to wait for a screenplay, if you have to engage in too much conversation about a screenplay, you could have shot it by now. So you kind of, you write on the fly, shoot on the fly, edit it on the fly, work, fail, don't get it right, get up, do it again. And I think, you know, and these days is exactly what people are doing. Um, and through that process, you know, you work it out. You'll work out whether you're a much stronger screenwriter, you know, and therefore be a writer. And some people become a producer and give it, give it up. And some people, you know, stay with directing. Mm. Um, some people make podcasts. And so, <laughs> some people make podcasts. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I've got my new sketch pad out just there because I'm going to go teach myself how the hell to... Um, uh, draw an alien <laughs> that's in my next movie that's not allowed to be too much CGI because the budget won't allow it to be. So that's going to be my new skill because, you know, I want to get from what's what I'm seeing in my subconscious out onto a piece of paper. Mm. So it's, and it's going to be stick figures for now. So I've got to somehow teach myself how to draw a little bit. <laughs> Flesh it out a bit. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit like the same process, you know, like I'm going into a new, new medium, a new, a new world and... Um, I, I, you know, I just want to make sure the images are on paper before I engage with other creatives because they, they will be better than me and they'll just, and they'll take over. And then along the way I'll go, you know, yeah, that's not what I meant. That's not what I dreamt, you know. And I'll, so if I can put as much detail into the original drafts of what I want the alien to kind of look like and then just let it go, and um, then, then that's, you know, that's my challenge this, this mm. week. So what was, uh, what, what was the decision to go to VCA? You, you mentioned just before that oh. not only do you teach at VCA, but you attended VCA mm. um, as a student. What was, I, I assume it was kind of an easy decision, but it's certainly not an easy school to get into. No, and I did. I've got a really good story for that. When I was, you know, between the ages of kind of 23, I think, and 28, I was just living in St Kilda. I was involved in... Um, you know, I don't know, amateur theatre, is that what we call it, independent theatre. Um, and I got to hang out with a couple of people. I mean, when you, you know, you're living in St Kilda, people are making short films. And I noticed people were making short films. And then I started, I, I had auditioned for a few people who were from VCA. And my friends and partner had been working with other film students. And that's when I first kind of discovered oh this is a film school oh shit okay I can actually learn how to direct I wasn't slow in learning all these things I just the information just wasn't there so I think it took longer for people to go to film school because you just yeah the inf it's not like you picked up a you didn't google it so you had to search out the information so it just took a while before somebody said to me you know god you've written a lot you know and I said yeah yeah but you know, I think I want to direct. Do you know what that is? Like, do you know how I could do that? And then they just said, yeah, you got to go to VCA. Well, it was Swinburne back then. And they said, yeah, you got to go to Swinney. 
So once I worked out what that was, I, you know, did the class. I did what I normally do. I go into strategy and go, okay, how am I going to get in? I worked out, I spoke to every single person I knew who had six degrees of separation, you know, to that school. And I got the heads up about how to get in. <laughs> what, what period of time was this? That was, um, I can't believe it worked either. That was 93. I'm looking at my degree on my wall. I'm <laughs> counting backwards. 93, 94, 95. A very cool year. I graduated with a lot of cool cool filmmakers. And, um, and so, yeah, there, I mean, there was no real trick to it other than it was just a couple, and especially now that I, I lecture there, um, but because I was a strong writer, they said, just go with all your scripts, you know, just go with all your scripts. Just look, if you get to that interview, look really, you really like your, you know, that you can't do anything else, that kind of thing. So they prepped me really well once I got to the interview. But what I did do was once I, I discovered film school and I went, okay, I'm going to apply to this film school. And if I get in, I'm going to go to film school and I'm going to be a director. I'm going to be right and I'm going to be direct because I'd worked it out by then. But then at the same time, I also applied for NIDA because I thought in the acting stream, because I thought, you know, just to weigh up the odds and allow fate to step in just for one one go, one more go at that little thing called acting. <laughs> 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 of course, I didn't get into, you know, NIDA, but it was a it was fun audition. And, um, and another woman that was at the audition that day, I had also seen at VCA when we both got to the interview. And, and she also got to the film school as well. So oh, we cool. were both we were both exactly the same. You know, Do you remember what your audition piece was for Nida? Uh, it was no, it was a Shakespeare, and I wore my cat suit so I could look cute. Right, <laughs> that's what I remember. I remember wearing my cat suit. Can't believe it. I wore it, but it was brilliant. And um, no, I can't remember what it was at all. Um, no, you had to do a Shakespeare piece and then another monologue, yeah. And I completely fucked up the second monologue. But I remember the Shakespeare one. I mean, I remember doing it and getting through it. And that was it. So that's, you know, that's what led me to film school. So three years of film school and I didn't haven't stopped. Mm. You made a, a short, um, Frail Mary, which mm. got you, uh, you know, some significant attention yeah. and the ability to apply for uh, funding to make your features yeah as a result yeah what were some of the things i guess in that final year? you mentioned that there were a lot of cool other cool filmmakers in that oh, in yeah. that graduating mm. year what were i suppose some of the common sort of i guess traits or the bigger lessons that you kind of saw across the board maybe retrospectively that meant that there were all these cool filmmakers coming out and into the working world i mean the the one of the one of the real strengths of a of a of a small cohort i think smoke small cohort education anyway no matter what it is is that friendship and commitment to each other's creative work you know is really is high it's higher than other places you know when you're learning how to be an artist amongst hundreds of others is very different when you're learning how to be an artist amongst a cohort of 14 you know, and so what I, I, I soon identified, but certainly by the time I got to third year, what I worked out was that we were all strong storytellers and we were all strong in our own unique ways. And nobody was my competitor. You know, we, we just valued each other a lot and we valued our difference 
differences as much as we valued what we had in common. And I think learning that meant that I never, you know, um, I, I never had the pressure. None of us ran around with pressure to be the best of anything. You know, I think we all just did what we did and we all did it well. And that's honestly one of the big character things that I like about myself that I've hung on to, that I've, that I've learned. And I, it's definitely a philosophy that I've taken into being a teacher and being a mentor. And just in my directing workplace as well as a director you know um it's yeah every every everybody matters you know and we all we all mattered and we and it's when we still do and we still work together you know my visual effects artist is lives in new york you know david gaddon and we still work together and my colleague at you know um at vca we went to film school together so we're all still very connected as much as we can be you know Mm. Yeah, you kind of, I guess you're kind of establishing the foundations of a community at that kind of age and people people come and go. But it's, you know, I think if you do have that sort of mentality, which is the best way to go, which I think, you know, uh, you and I met when we were at, when I was at 16th Street Actor Studio and you were one of the teachers there. And, you yep. know, there's certainly that mentality was kind of ingrained into us mm. as well as, as actors and creatives. You know, I still speak with and, and and seek to collaborate with a lot of those guys now yeah. seven years later yeah they still hunt me down too it's great it's fantastic it's really important i, I don't i don't think people creatives under um can underestimate just the power of um the need for each other you know the need for other people um one of the hardest things as a director it's is i mean i had a couple of great actors come in just yesterday and give a, a fantastic day's workshop for my directors and and I bring her in because she's a dramaturg and I bring her in because she's different than bringing directors in you know directors almost teach themselves how to direct it's a really you know can be a really fucking lonely career sometimes you know and you don't really learn from other people unless you've got an attachment you're just kind of teaching yourself a lot of the times um, so if you go to film school, that's one thing, but you still, in principle, it's you on your own on a film school with a hell of a lot of people um, asking something from you. And you don't know how you're going to direct under pressure. You don't know those things until you do it. You know, it's a really kind of, it's a really interesting thing um, to learn, you know. And so, um, you know, bringing in the dramaturg to, to work with actors in front of, the directors, it was a great opportunity just to, you know, again, just reconnect in that in that way and really and really understand that um, that I don't know. I suppose that you know, directing is also about listening and working with other people and watching and not being on your own. Don't stay in a silo. You know, it's not. I don't think it's good for you. Mm. What do you think the value is then on that sort of note? of going to film school versus just going and starting to work practically on set? Um, I think, I think there's, I mean, I think I could honestly, honestly say you do whatever you need to do. If you can get into a film school, most people go to film school because they want a degree, you know, I mean, you, you want a degree and you want to dedicate time to study a craft like, I don't know, um, being a, you know, I don't know, being a vet, 
veterinary like compared it to fucking <laughs> horses just then didn't i but you know the reality is you want to study something and yeah. um and so i think that uh i think education is to me i just think education is really important no matter where you are on the planet education education i mean i'm, I'm a real advocate for it so i think that you go you find out what it is that you want and i think sometimes going to university helps you work that out um it it's not that easy to make films on your own you know so a lot of it's got to do with your own personality um you get so many things out of coming to going to any film school i think around the world that might have nothing to do nothing to do with being the what you originally went in to do Mm. but just the process of it and the experience of being there um you know can give you so many other things so i think you've got plenty most people in our western you know societies have got plenty of opportunities to um to do master classes online in fact i've got a pile of them i'm going to do because i keep getting inundated with doing (laughs) this and doing that on facebook and i thought okay i'm going to actually spend a week and i'm going to do as many courses online as possible just to see if they if they're really if there's a a way that you know we we can connect with um and continue to teach and I, and I I was looking at that stuff going you know I should take that to countries like East Timor like other places that I'm involved in that don't have a big film community so for me I I look at you know, going into communities who don't have a film school um, they got to make films I'm not going to tell them to go to, you know what I mean it's kind of like got to find what it is where you are depending on where you are in the world and what you need then you just find a way to do it but if you have the opportunity to go to a film school I would say go you know, because because you have an opportunity. If you don't have the opportunity, find another way. Where did you kind of draw the inspiration from to take film studies and, and uh, film mentoring to places like East Timor and also I know you do a lot of work in Malta as well. Yeah. The, my East, the East Timor connection came about um, probably when I saw Balibo, Robert Connolly's film, um, and I mean, we grew, I wasn't fully aware of what had happened in East Timor um, during the independence, but my father, my dad was, you know, it was pretty political. So, you know, he couldn't, um, you know, he grew up in a, in a, in a country in Australia that he thought was outrageously racist. So he, he really kept his eye out on anything, um, anything political. And when, when the, the, you know, fight for independence was happening in East Timor, during my kind of teenage years, I suppose, um, it was mentioned a lot in our house. And then, you know, you know, continued, continued with life. And then uh, Robert Connolly made, you know, made Balibo. And I was just, again, really affected by the story. And, and, and I, I knew that East Timor wasn't that far away. And um, I just kind of always wanted to go. And then, I, and then when I started at the film school, I got a student. And, um, you know, there she was. She popped up and she was wanted to come and um, it was hard for her to get a scholarship to come here, you know. She was going to be one of the first, you know, first filmmaker out of the country to get a master's degree. And um, I just, I don't know how, I mean, I don't know how many rules I bent at the time 
<laughs> to get her into the course, but there was a lot. You know, it was really it took a lot of energy to get her in, and um, and and she didn't get in the first year because it was just lots of politics from her, you know, her country and her scholarships, and and so it took two years to get her in, and then and then she studied under under us for under me for two years, and. And then I went back to East Timor with her to help her make her short film, um, just, you know, to supervise her. And we took a whole bunch of students with us and it just became a, a really um, a really nice cultural affair between um, educators, you know, and we worked with um, a small community there that was her community. And just the relationship has continued and I, you know, and I remember when we couldn't get a camera on, on the island, we couldn't get any, anything. This was only a few years ago, by the way. Um, I remember saying to Francisca, you know, two years out of film school, you better have a company opened in this place. Yeah. <laughs> and she looked at me and said, company? And I said, you know, you know it's kind of like, yeah, no, you, you have to. And, of course, you know, she does now. And um, It's amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, um, I'm sure she'll do great things. And so, so just... I, I knew that um, I knew that I did that and then at the same time I was working at the Malta Film Commission and I haven't done as much work there the last couple of years because I've just been so full on but I you know I'm, I'm mentoring um, a few filmmakers that had made their first features and um, you know Malta's again um, a country that has had you know, Hollywood at its doorsteps non-stop, but really has been trying to grow its own kind of indigenous storytellers and, you know, Maltese films and create um, a Maltese film industry where actors actually speak in Maltese and the world actually hears Maltese. <laughs> and, um, you know, and so, I yeah, I mean, I, I wrote a script that I want to shoot there as well. Um, so, yeah, so I, I'm very, very interested in it. Um, and I so yeah, I mean maybe that's just part of my my teaching thing, my mentoring thing. Uh, you know, I like to do it. It's good. It's good. I think the uh, the pathway for, I mean, for people in those sort of communities is obviously there is no real pathway to creating yep. culturally relevant films. Mm. And I think that uh, to kind of bring it back here as well, you know, the, there's so much the. the the, the industry is now becoming so saturated with people who are trying to pursue lives as filmmakers and in film. Um, I think that the kind of career path for early filmmakers is becoming uh, more and more challenging or is requiring people to think more and more outside of the square. Um, so I, I, I suppose the role of a mentor or of um, people who are willing to take on kind of attachments as well is becoming perhaps more significant yes yeah i didn't really have any point there it's just ranting a little bit mentorship's been an interesting word hasn't it in fact i've heard more i've heard of it um i had to write a, a an application for something recently and we were talking about mentorship and i and i said to the woman and i was quite like i really meant it at the time i said to her you know i kept thinking about this thing about mentorship i I don't know what it means. I don't actually. Nobody's ever taught me what being a mentor is. Nobody, nobody's. I don't. You know, I've been mentored here or there. If mentor means getting advice, and then she said to me, "Well, no." She said, 
getting advice isn't mentorship it's more than that it's deeper than that and she sat down and she you know gave me a beautiful spiel about what it was and and then I said to her, oh, so that's what kind of blue blood is then. Is that right? Isn't that what wealthy people have been doing for ever? <laughs> and I said it in a way that I had to like stop myself. But I'm, you know, I was being really honest. I was yeah, literally yeah. just saying, but isn't that what wealthy people do all the time? They, they do mentor each other and they kind of go, but, you know, and then it was like we got into this discussion of what do you actually mean? And I went, well... I'll give you a job because you're blah blah's daughter, and I'll mentor you know. I'll look after you, and Indeed, you know, you know, I'll you with the necessary <laughs> knowledge. Absolutely. So even though I was being absolutely sarcastic, it, you know, um, but I went, wow, yeah, okay, because where I come from, I mean, no, nobody does. You just didn't do that. I mean, you know, nobody's going to mentor me to go what go work in my mum's factory. You know what I mean? It's kind of like it's a very very different thing. So I started to see it um, as a class difference, right? And and I do and I do think that I still think today, um, which is why I think it's changing and why it's going to be a lot more open and is a lot more open. But it's why we're really encouraging people from everywhere, from all walks of life, to seek mentors as much as it is for other people to mentor others, because we know it works. You know, in in it does work. And, um, I mean, half my struggles of just staying focused as a, as, a, as a director and wanting to grow as a director, you know, has been also, I suppose, you know, you, you, you do do it on your own. And, and if there were other people, I mean, I, we had our funding bodies, like, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have Screen Australian Film Victoria. Our our funding bodies, and that's a crazy to some people. That's a crazy thing to say, you know. But our funding bodies, which is like our equivalent to our studio systems, are what nurtured my career more than anything else or any single person. It was all those script grants I got. It was all those, God, those people that just went, you know, she she's good, you know, she can direct. Let's give her a go. Um, Let's give her a script grant, you know, let's see her potential through. And that, when that was done to me, straight after, almost straight after um, drama school, and it just, it kind of hasn't stopped. And that's why I know is why I do it to other people. I know it has an impact. It has, you know, it's why I never say, you know, my phone doesn't stop ringing. I've been at film school mentoring for 10 years, teaching for 10 years now. There's a lot of students out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's fantastic. So how do you see that your personal process has evolved from, say, um, you know, Caterpillar Wish mm -hmm. to this film now, or, you know, talking about multiple films that mm. you're um, potentially going to be doing and a couple that you have recently done. How do you feel that your process has evolved over time? Process as a director? Yeah. Or writer and a director. Yeah. Um... I mean, a good, yeah. I mean, I think, well, the last film, the last film was directed really on the on the fly. It was really, it was, you know, independently financed. It was low budget. It was made out of um, my, you know, comp my new company with my, um, you know, with my business partner who, who lives in Australia and, and spends a lot of time in LA. And, and it, it was... It was different because I also had a producer's hat on. So the 
process of just directing, which, you know, in the next film I know that I need to just focus on the directing, you know. I don't know what's changed. I probably just follow my instincts a little bit better. I don't second guess ever anymore, really, you know. Um, the rehearsal period I still suffer with. Like, you know, it's just never enough time. I was always want more time. I'd really like to have that um, on the next film. Um, I just don't do enough character work and I'd really love to, you know, I just have to go on, you know, the beautiful cast and whatever they bring to the table a lot of the time, but it just means I never get to play enough. Do you think that's, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but do you think that's perhaps a common issue with Australian films? I think so. I mean, I, I, I just, I think so, unless the directors are, more powerful than me and they get whatever they want and they just say no 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 no. I want six weeks of rehearsal and it's certainly not theatre and we don't get what I mean but then I know the theatre industry is um, falling behind when it comes to rehearsals as well you know um, so I don't know if it's a distinctively an Australian thing because I don't really know how it's working much overseas uh, but I certainly know shooting weeks are getting shorter and um so I think a lot of it has got to do with, you know, you want my actor, you're low budget, then you're only going to get, you know, my actor for six days. They're arriving Friday and they're shooting Monday. And you go, all oh, right, okay then. <laughs> yeah. Tar, you know, we'll work it out on the day then. So I think everybody's attitudes, you know, um, can be a bit bit brutal. Um, so you do have, to, in other words, you do have to go in there very prepared, you know, and I've learned that. I got, I got better at learning how much preparation I needed. Um, I need and I need a, a lot more preparation in the next one because there's stunts involved as well um, so the process me as an individual has stayed the same I direct the same way I'm very positive um, I really really work hard and not letting you know anything bother me um, I mean Cassandra I spoke I worked with Cassandra McGraw my last film and somebody asked her what it's like working with you know, working with um, Sandra, and she said, oh, she's just kind of, I don't know, she's the same as what she is now. And I went, oh, yeah, I am, aren't I? I, mean, <laughs> I can't even pretend to be, uh, you know. And I said to her, next time I'm going to be a bitch for at least a day. I'm going to go walk in there with attitude for yeah. you know, at least a day. Bring like, some of that Malta Maltese flair. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's there. It's got to be there somewhere. It's Maltese, for God's sake. Yeah. But, um, you know, no. So I've just learned to always just kind of be calm, when it's not calm, you know, when we're three hours behind. And, um, and Do you think it. that's kind of a, a, a critical uh, attribute to have as a director, that kind of patience, that almost virtuous kind of quality of just, you know, being the calm sort of ocean in a perfect storm? I reckon you'll live longer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can at the end of the day, you just... Yeah, I reckon you'll live longer. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why people direct if it's painful. Like I don't, know, I don't understand. It's not a fucking third world country. Don't do it. It's like writing. I think what. I it's like my before. thing with the writing. Yeah, it's like honestly, you can't. You're gonna be, you're gonna be so mean, and you're gonna be like so. Um, it's it's only about what you want and only your vision. And oh, I just I, honestly, I struggle. I struggle with it. I struggle, and I meet a lot of directors. I meet a lot of directors still that really. You know, just they just have to do it their way, like totally their way, and I, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand that. I just think, well, I don't know. Isn't that soup making, or isn't that something else? You know, I I 
didn't think was always like that with film. Mm, yeah, I don't you know? think Because you're not going to get what you want. So the thing is, I keep thinking, but how are you getting it? Because you're not actually getting it. I know, I know you're not getting it. You're getting it maybe 60% of the time. What the hell do you do with the other 40%? You must be going home with a migraine. <laughs> <laughs> or road rage or something. Yeah. You know? Right. So I just think that, you know, filmmaking is... Um, I don't know, it's a science, isn't it? Like you just go in there, do it properly and go home and, and go home happy and get prepared and get ready for the next day. Yeah. Is there anything that you would tell 16 or 18-year-old Sandra yeah. if she was about to embark upon this journey again? Oh, what would I tell her? Tell myself, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, tell myself. I tell myself to... Um, go uh, go harder when you get to Hollywood after your second feature yeah. and the doors close and, and go in there and kick the fucking door down. And I think if anything, you just go, go, go and just don't accept no. You know, there was no, don't accept no. It's just a stupid word, you know. And I probably still say that to people now, you know, if anybody says no... You just go, you just go around it. Don't hear it. Just don't hear it, I think is a big thing, you know? I think I had uh, Matilda Brown on oh, yeah. on the show and she shared some wisdom from her father, Brian Brown. Oh, yeah, and yeah. He, and the, the wisdom was uh, when he was a younger actor um, that he was really happy when he got told no because he understood that every no was one step closer to a yes. Oh, that's good. Um, that's good. Yeah. And Mine's I think... much more Maltese. <laughs> <laughs> Go around it. Go through it. Yeah, yeah, Kick yeah. Kick the fucking door down. <laughs> I like that. It's, it's more active. But I didn't do it because that's me telling myself to do it. Yeah, right. Okay. I didn't, what I did, I didn't do that. What I did was um, strategize. Go, okay, okay, okay. He said no. The other guy said no. Okay. They said I'm a good filmmaker, but they won't give me, they won't let me, you know, have a meeting. And... You know, and then I, so then, well, no, yeah, because I had to strategize. I, I, uh, one of the agents at the time, I'm probably going off track now, but one of the agents at the time had said to me, um, you make, your film is beautiful, you know, you won nice awards and it's a really lovely film, um, but I don't know what to do with you. And, um, you know, Hallmark, you should go see Hallmark. You know, I mean, I love Hallmark, but no, I didn't want to go to Hallmark. I wanted to be in that agency and make the films that they were making. And he, but he knew I was good friends with another filmmaker who was a horror filmmaker. Right. And he said, "Why don't you go home and write a film script for him, and see if I can get you in that way?" And I remember thinking, "Oh, that's pretty clever." And then I remember thinking, you know, very much, "Fuck you," you know. <laughs> and then I came home and I rang my, you know friend up and said your agent told me to write you a script and uh that could be my way into hollywood <laughs> it's kind of like but my best work i'm not going to give it to you you know i'll keep it for a rainy day and funny enough i'm going to shoot it you know at the end of the year so they're nice stories to a degree as well you know they 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 make you work that little bit harder they made me want to um at the time they made me not want to direct television because I just wanted to really focus on writing and building a company and then I got offered a job teaching and I went you know this is good for my soul this is good this is this is a, a great school it's my school I know it well around great people and um 
and so you know it's it's uh it's yeah i mean it's it's great it's great so i think that all that combination is um so i'm really happy in other words i suppose with where it is now yeah. mm. well hopefully i'll see you in london at the end of the year or next year. I hope so. I've got a, you know, I've got some time off coming owed to me, so I'm going to go and take a few months and, you know, spend some... Do some location recce's in Europe. Yeah, oh my gosh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Thank you so much for chatting with me. I end uh, all of my conversations with the same question, which is, what makes you silly? What makes me silly? I don't know. I won't say too too much coffee because that's probably not a good enough answer really well, there's not really degrees of answer it's just whatever whatever it is some of my writing makes me silly like I read some of my writing and go that's fuck, that's so stupid it's <laughs> <laughs> just that's really bad writing why are you writing that you know I kind of laugh at myself you know um, so I don't know politics makes me silly oh, it yeah. makes me feel a really intelligent like I can do a better job and um, it certainly makes me, you know, recognise that silliness is necessary mm. when you're taking too much politics. Yeah, someone somewhere's not taking the world very seriously. No, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah probably right now, <laughs> many, many places. Thank yeah. you so much, Sandra. Yeah, thanks, Alistair. <laughs>